to the anglers and, well, Herb, special edition, you're going to tell us all about Fraser. I've been there a couple of times. I'll uh, put in my two, Bob. But more importantly, you've just come back from Fraser. Give me a wrap-up what it was like. Give everybody out there a sense of what the biggest sand island in the world is like. It is a magnificent place. Very close to my heart. Been there quite a few times, Spider. Fisherman's destination of their life. Uh, or even like my last trip I just did was just to show uh, the missus around. She'd never been there. And uh, just show us some of the sights. Well, Herb, before we get your guide into Fraser Island, I've travelled there a few times. I've taken different options to look at Fraser Island. I've spoken to rangers over the years, including Ranger Craig, who told us this about different options around Fraser. Once you're here, you can bring your own four-wheel drive or uh, Fraser Explorer Tours offer um, one-day, two-day and three-day tours. With the one-day, two-day or three-day tours, they've got, they got a guide? Yep, they've got a, a, an experienced guide who's uh, going to be your driver as well. And as you're moving through the island, they'll be given an in-depth commentary uh, and interpretation of the island and its resources. Yeah, it's, it's a very strange environment and obviously it's uh, why it's a, a World Heritage Site. There's um, six or seven different types of ecosystems. So where we are right now, this is coastal dune vegetation. The further inland you go, the more nutrients there are in the sand and you end up having wet eucalyptus and subtropical rainforest. And then on the far side, the, the nutrients are buried very deep, so the trees uh, grow smaller again. They can't put their roots down to find the, the really strong nutrients. And there's even a lot of mangrove forests and wetlands on the southwest of the island too. It's about 45 uh, perched dune lakes, and there's uh, a lot of smaller window lakes as well. And are they all accessible? No, no, some of them are very, very hard to get to. A lot of them you have to walk to, but obviously the main ones uh, have parking areas there with maybe short walks as well. You're allowed to swim in the lakes? Yeah, most certainly. Any crocs? No crocs, <laughs> no crocs down here. <laughs> There's a few sharks around. Really, really good fishing off the island, uh, which obviously does attract other fish and predators and things like that. But uh, the main reason it's not such a good place to go swimming is the surf. No surf lifesavers, pretty rough conditions. Obviously, I also had to ask him about the dingoes and how long they've been here for. They've been here for about 5,000 years on Fraser Island. Oh, yeah. And they've been in Australia for about 6,000 years. So they've been around for a while. They can look after themselves. Um, if, you, if you, people are feeding dingoes, it means they're going to become used to humans and uh, potentially very confident and, and comfortable around people too. And that's unfortunately when mishaps happen. Yep. So uh, there's no need to feed dingoes. Uh, you can see them as you're driving along the beach. If you're camping on the beach, I'm sure they'll come and be around the campsite at night time as well. Now, as I said, Herb, I've been to Fraser a few times and I've got a couple of tips with you. Well, I've got a couple of tips for everybody listening before we start getting into your guide. I'm Dave from the Australian Off-Road Academy. I'm lucky enough to live on Fraser Island's doorstep, so I'm over here all the time. But we work all over Australia. We love it when we get folks that have got their new car, they're ready to explore and they just need a little bit of help with really you know, getting the confidence to make the most out of the vehicle. It's pretty soft over here at the moment. Hasn't been much rain, been a reasonable amount of traffic. So I'm not just poking a stick at the tire and hoping for the best. We're gonna use a little bit of science and we're gonna get it right. So we're going down to about 22 PSI in the standard tires. You don't need anything flash for this. Just got a gauge, let's tire out. But importantly, I checked the pressure. I'm not guessing what the pressure is. I've got the same pressure all around the car. And we're good to explore. Herb, 
This is tip two. So this is, I guess, where you're moving towards, all right? This is a kinetic rope. It's replacing, sort of, the snatch strap. So kinetic rope is also a stretchy rope, but it behaves differently to a snatch strap and it behaves in a much more predictable fashion. The big thing, how much safer it is. Because internally of this is the rope. This is just a sheath around the outside. So the bit that does all the work is actually contained inside. So when we overload it, okay, if we've damaged it and we blow it, the bit that lets go is in there. The bit around the outside is gonna hang on to the failing bits. It'll eventually let go, of course, because there's a car on each end but it is going to slow everything down. We only need the two drivers involved, first up. If no one else is in the picture, no one else can get hurt. So where should everyone else be? Up there. That's great, you can take as many photos as you like from up there. We wanna be one and a half times the length of the straps away, sideways. In front of and behind is not where you wanna be, and certainly not in between with a GoPro. Okay, holding a camera does not make you immune. <laughs> Sadly. So if I came down to the beach to have a surf, I'd get a lesson because I need someone who knows what they're doing to teach me how to do it. We've been doing this thing, teaching four-wheel driving for 16 years all over Australia, on sand, in the bush, and everywhere in between. So if you want to learn a little bit more, if you feel like maybe you can get a little bit more out of your car, check out our website, australianoffroadacademy.com.au. But it can be a dangerous place. Which way did you go? Did you go across at... Uh, Inskip point. Inskip. So you took the little barge across? Yep. Okay. Because yep. it's either there or you've got the uh, the larger one at Kingfisher? Yeah, I've done that one before. It's a bit longer. If yep. you're coming from north, that's probably the best way to go. And it's about an hour and a half across the island from the Kingfisher side. Yeah. Um, we did Inskip. We actually came up from Noosa. Okay. So I did the whole thing. We crossed at Tawantan, came up Tiwa Beach... Went through freshwater track into Rainbow, waited an hour and a half for the tide to lower a bit, had some brekkie, jumped on the barge, and away we went. Okay. For four days on Fraser. Planning your trip to where you're travelling to. Tides are a massive influence. Oh, absolutely. High tides, hard to drive on that beach. Can I can I tell you a quick story about yeah, the I tide? Yeah, I want to hear it. Yeah. All right, yeah. I was organising a trip for a friend of our, Niraj. Now, Niraj grew up running five-star hotels around the world. Right. He ran five-star um, the Marriott, and okay. all his mates were in a similar industry. Mm-hmm. Indian background, and all they wanted to do was drive from the Gold Coast all the way up to Cairns. Yep. But they wanted to take a minibus, and they wanted me to organise the minibus for them and tell them where to stop. Fraser Island. Uh, Whit Sundays, get a boat out there and go and enjoy the Whit yep. Sundays, all that. All so anyway, things. I did everything for him and I said, no worries at all. That's what I'll, I'll organise it all for you. I had to go around and show him how to make it, uh, put a tent up. Yep. I had to go around and show him how to, or everything to do with camping. Yeah. Anyway, beautiful. they get to Fraser Island. They hire a couple of four-wheel drives. Yep. I forgot to tell them about the tide. They get all the way down <laughs> to Indian Head and they wanted to get back to um, Yeronga. Oh, yeah. Couldn't get back. So they had to sleep on the side of the road or side of the beach. beach. Yeah. And first of all, they, they try and put the tent up in just sand so it blows over. Yep. They've, had a few at the, they've had a few at this stage. Yeah. So they went down with the tent and then somebody was sick in a tent so they went to try and clean it out and one of the waves hit it too big and smashed the tent. Oh, and then when they woke up in the morning because they were all had a few, a bit hungover, but just all slept in the car. When they woke up, 
the water was smashing up against the uh, side of the car. <laughs> <laughs> and he still says, he goes, look, it was the most frustrating part of the trip, but he said by far the one we always talk about. Yeah, definitely. And that's one thing with Fraser 2 Spider, it can break you. I've been broken over there. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that another time. But yeah, definitely planning. So knowing your tides, tire pressures, and having a plan B. I think that was the key for me this trip. So because the tide was 9, 10 in the morning, we are based at Yurong, yep. which is a, a nice resort. It's good enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's got everything there. Great swimming pool. Yeah. It's just been renovated about four or five years ago. It's got beer. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was the coldest beer I've ever had, but it's not too bad. No, and plus it's got the it's got fuel. It's got a little cafe and bakery. Yep. It's got everything you want. Yep, it's got everything you need. So that was our base. So when the tide's high, we'd go inland. So we'd go for a swim at Lake Mackenzie or Lake Birrabeen. We'd go over and have a look at Kingfisher. We're doing the touristy thing. Yeah. Lake Wobby, so many places to see. So that was our plan. Instead of going up the beach early and frustrating with the tide, we went inland, came back out when the tide was much lower, and we made it all the way up to Orchid Beach. We didn't go up to the tip. Yeah. Uh, that's probably a couple of vehicles I'd recommend for getting over Nagala. Very soft. Uh, bogged very easily. That and that's why you do need. And it's it's you've got a plan if you're travelling by yourself on Fraser. Definitely, because somebody if you go on those back back roads to Lake Wobby, it's not every day somebody's going to drive past you. You could be there for hours oh, before the next person comes past. Definitely, and a lot of the tracks are one way. Yeah. So there's no one generally coming the other way. So if no one's following you out, you, you could be there for days. It, it just depends. The best thing is always try and stick to the track that the buses go on. That much smoother. Because not only that, but if you do get stuck, yeah, they've got they, they've got commitments. They get you out the way. Yeah, you yeah. Know, they, <laughs> they just got everything. They'll get every, they'll get you out the way because they've got to get all their clientele to certain places to get back on the barge that night. That's correct. And I've had that happen. We had a bus tow me out with my eighteen uh, foot cruise craft at Indian Head. Okay, we got bogged up to the chassis and we could not get out. So very much so, travelling on Fraser plan. Plan your trips, what your day trips are, whether it be Eli Creek or wherever you want to go. Look at your tides, do your tides, plan your journeys. I remember um, <laughs> seeing a bloke. I was over there once filming and we're getting a driving shot. And, like, you know, a lot of uh, backpackers and internationals hire four-wheel drives yes. and go over. Yep. And a lot of them have uh, these four-wheel drive companies that will drive you as well. Yeah. And, you know, Sheree, my uh, my wife, her her dad seen a car roll on Fraser, yeah, and it can be very dangerous. So you be really careful doing the little crossings and yes, you know the little parts because you don't know where the soft, real soft sand is. No, and anyway, we you have to go inland as you're going up towards Indian Head, and you've got to go inland just you know twenty meters off the sand, yep. and go through a rocky little bit. Yes. And uh, we were filming there, what you know, filming my car coming through. Yep. And we had to allow a couple of uh, backpacking cars to go through. Yep. And it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. I reckon I saw there were six international backpackers, all all girls, yeah. with only bikini tops on. Yeah. Okay. And you there was them. There was no no. <laughs> there was a, a nerdy looking bloke right in the middle, back seat. Yeah. With glasses on, but while this car's going up and down over the rocks. The girls are 
bopping up and down and oh. jiggling everywhere. This bloke in the middle, he didn't know which way to look. His glasses were <laughs> sideways. I've never seen a bigger smile on a guy's face in my life. He was like, God, I am in heaven and I am dead. <laughs> yeah, and he's in heaven too, Fraser Island. But it is funny what you see, isn't it? Yeah. So I, we're still on the travelling side of it. Uh, Yindi Rocks, I think you were talking about, where there's a part, there's a couple of parts of Fraser where you have to go around the rocks, up the hill and over yeah, and yeah. back down. And that can be a bit rough, but they have treads and stuff that help you climb. On the way back down, you come into them rocks where you were talking about filming. Here's a RAV4. Now, RAV4, they're not really a fall drive. No. He's stuck in the bottom of the hole. I was in my old, I think I had a uh, Rodeo back then. Dual cab Rodeo, V6. Here's the RAV4, the bloke's stuck, he's got his arms up, he's asking for help, right? So I get out, I didn't have a snatch him strap, but I got a pretty thick rope. Yeah. So I hook it onto my car and I say, right, get in it, hit reverse and just hold it flat. You know, I'll get you out. So not only he gets in the car, but his four other passengers <laughs> that are over 100 kilo get in the bloody thing. I had to stop and say, get out of the car, let him get it out, get across the... But they're in a RAV4. Yeah. Like, it's just an all-wheel drive. So that's what I mean. Planning a trip like this so it doesn't break you yeah, is yeah. probably the best way to go about Absolutely. it. Absolutely, because you want to have fun. You want to enjoy it, but you don't want to be stuck every two minutes either. No, that's exactly right. So there's travelling out of the way. The next thing, and I'm going to go through a list of these things because I've just recently been there, dingoes. Now... For people who haven't seen a dingo before, oh, look at it, it's so cute. <laughs> nah, they're terrible. I mean, they're nice to look at, but these things will come awfully close. And oh, yeah. we stopped a dingo uh, following a lady and her two younger kids along the beach on the way back and got in between the dingo and the people, let them keep walking and, and hunted the dingo back up the They beach. don't think about that. You've got to think about dingoes. Definitely. Have a stick handy with you. They will attack. This one sat beside us three feet away while we cooked bacon and eggs. Now, obviously it was hungry. My missus, Heidi, who's never been to Fraser, she's like, oh, it's so cute. I said, don't go near it. No way. They'll bite you. And usually when they bite you, another seven will come running out of the bush. They go in packs. Yeah, they're not dumb. So, you know, it's, it's just one of them things. They're cute. They're great to look at. Get a nice picture. Be dingo safe. Yeah, I remember seeing, um, you know, one of them digging. I think, what's it digging up? And somebody dug, uh, put a fish uh, frame frame in there. Yes. Yep, they could smell it out. Come so, and dug it up. So the rules on Fraser is you've got to bury your fish off. We'll see your fish frames at least five foot deep. Oh, well, this wasn't five foot. And down on the low tide mark. Oh, okay. Okay, so... There are rules and regulations for all this. You're not allowed to feed the dingoes. Beautiful to take a look at. I, I heed caution when I'm around them. Oh, absolutely. Don't just, feed them. Just let them go. They're wild animals they're for a reason. Exactly right, Spider. So there's the dingoes out the way. Do you now, reckon people say that about you when you're around? Take a wide berth. He's a wild animal. Yeah. When he's out on the juice, just <laughs> let him go. Yeah, well, you know the, the old saying, Spider, don't answer the phone after four on a Friday, Arvo. <laughs> <laughs> This is something I've done a fair bit of. Beach fishing, Fraser, Indian Head off the rocks, Waddy Point off the rocks. Can you, are you allowed to do it off Indian Head? Off the rocks? Yeah, you can walk up the, the northern not side. The, not, the, not the lookout. No. Well you, I was no, going to say That's this. a bit hard. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, you, look, you see stingrays <laughs> and sharks and everything oh, yeah. from the lookout. There's some massive big sharks in there. 
So you can walk along the rocks at Indian Head. There's so many places. Like yeah. up the tip is just you catch mackerel off the beach. People drone fish off the beach now and catch big Spanish mackerel, massive big sharks. You've got the western side, Flathead Central from pretty much Moon Point South. Then the other side, you've got the creeks, Coongool Creek, Awinya Creek, Wathumba Creek, Rooney's Point. Um, all these places hold immensely big sharks, uh, obviously for the big shark fishermen. They get yeah. big tigers, big great whites, uh, big bronzies. Is that only on the eastern side but also on the west? Yeah, you get them on the west as well. So you can cross over to uh, Coongool Creek and all them sort of places where there's camping as well. Yeah, A uh, big journey, probably a two-hour cross of the island because it's about 35 kilometres or something like that. It's and a it's, big island. Yeah, it's big. And it's slow going through the middle yeah. of the tracks. Um, so, yeah, western side. And good numbers of flathead too up around them creek mouths. Uh, Rooney's Point, small black marlin. You can catch marlin from the beach at Rooney's Point between September, October, November when they spawn on the northwestern corner of Fraser. And they have big marlin fishing comps up there that just target small blacks. What do you... What's the key if you are beach fishing? Don't you have to look for gullies or something? Gullies. Okay. Yeah. Talk us through that, Herbert. So as you're driving up the beach, you'll come to parts of the beach where you have a wider section of the beach, and then you'll have to drive up towards the dunes a bit more to go around the water. Now, that's a formation of the start of a gutter. Now, they're the deepest bits where the water's flowing off them flatter, sandier patches into these deeper waters, and then it flows out to sea. Now, obviously, that's where all the fish gather, uh, waiting for a feed, washing off the flats. Now, I'm talking Mulloway, mackerel, big sharks, flathead, whiting, dart, brim. It, it's, Do you it's eat endless. dart? Yeah, they're not bad. Okay. I've had dart before, fresh. Yeah. Fresh. And obviously, Fraser's renowned for tailor fishermen. Yeah, tailor, yep. August, September, October, the tailor fishermen get up there, they're chucking their big alvies out, up, flack them out as fast as they can. There might be 50 shoulder to shoulder. Now, tailors are all right chewing. But it freezes like an old green sock. Does it? Oh, I don't like freezing, Taylor. It's all right. So I you got to cook and eat it that day. I reckon that's the best deal. Or smoke it. Okay. Hot smoke it or something like that. What rods would you take? What fishing gear would you take? If you went to Fraser with a couple if, of if, mates, if, what, what are you taking? Yeah, so if I'm just out of the car, so beach fishing, yeah. I'd take an 11-foot a, a light rod. You don't want nothing too heavy. Unless you want to do shark fishing. But this is just for me. So beach fishing. I'd take an 11-foot rod with a 6.5-inch alvey, probably 30-pound mono. That'll do your tailor, your jew, even a mackerel if you've got enough line. That'll get you a bit of casting distance. Very versatile. Alvey reels, fill them with sand, wash them out. Can't go wrong. I'd never take an egg beater or an overhead to Fraser Island. Okay. They're just too much sand. Yep. Then I'd take probably around an eight, nine-foot rod, lighter again, 10-pound mono on, a say, a five-and-a-half-inch alvey for your dart, your whiting, your flathead in the gutters and stuff like that. Yep. But your bigger rod will do the rocks and whatever else. Okay. Is it all bait fishing? Yeah, well, you can collect your own bait, pippies, worms from the beach. Yep. Uh, pillies you can buy from places like Yurong, Happy Valley, whatever else, and Orchid Beach, they have bait for sale. Yep. Um, you can do placos. I'm not much of a placo fan, but they work. Like, in a deep gutter close to shore, you might get a few flatties and that on a placo. Yeah. But Lord the... of Averages say it's bait. Yeah, pretty much 90% bait. Right, yeah. From the shore fish. Okay. All right. Uh, then you move into boating. Boating. All right, yeah. <laughs> Talk us through your boating. Yeah, it was a big journey. We, um... 
we're unlucky enough. So I've towed a boat up there twice now. Ah, three times now. Two to the western side, one to the eastern side. And this is a journey that can be frightening. When you've got twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, some people tow $150,000 boats up. They're big ones. Yeah. Um, it can be daunting. You've got to be there on the bottom of the tide and you've got an hour to get up there. And it's probably a two-hour trip to Orchid Beach. Okay. Be close too. So before we even made the beach, uh, the front hook pull that you chain and winch your boat up to on my boat, being so old, it was a 1979 model boat, that had rust, well, it had corroded away and snapped off, right? So at this stage, and we didn't know, somewhere between Gimpy and Rainbow, my boat was now held on by only a two-ton strap at the back. Okay? Okay, at the back? At the back, because the front hook pull at the winch post had come out. The boat had slid back probably two feet. Oh no! The hooks on the on the on the two ton strap had straightened, but they had a, a D pull over the, the ring, and that had slipped up the other side. So we were lucky not to lose the boat before we got to the island. In our in our wisdom, right? Yeah. So we've pulled the back ski pull that you know the hooks you have on the back corner of a boat that yeah, you hook yeah. a skier up to, whatever. I've reached in, pulled one of them out. We've stuck it on the front. Yeah, it'll be right. We'll get there. Yeah, winched us back up. We strapped it back on and away we went. We get up to the island and that first night, we're going fishing the next day and it wasn't great weather, I'm going to say that. And we've got it up the island. Yeah, we got bogged at Waddy Point to the axle, had to get the tour bus to pull us out. We had another three boats with us and we had five cars all up. So we had... You had a big crew. Yeah, but three cars couldn't pull this out, you know. So, yeah, we were young. We were learning a bit. But anyway... We get up there, and the first night, because I had two holes in the front of the boat, I've reduced one, and now I've got another one. So in our wisdom, we drank a bottle of red wine, and we shaped the cork, we whittled the cork to bung up the hole in the front of the boat. Smart. Well, bit of duct tape. Life hack. Yeah. It's a life hack. Well, we're up there. What what are you going to do? We've got no silicon. Yeah. Or whatever. So we proceeded to go out the next day. Now, to launch a boat up there, draw bars are pretty handy. So... Uh, mate of mine made up a drawbar, which really, once you get to where you want to launch, you unhook your boat, you put an extended drawbar on, which locks into your tow ball and the tow ball on the trailer. Oh, yeah. And it drops your boat about 10 foot from the car. Yeah, perfect. So that you can get it in the water, otherwise you can lose cars. We've gone out fishing all day. Right? All day we've gone out. We've pumped a big day of fishing, got a heap of fish. We've come back. We couldn't get the boat out of the water. We broke a snatch and we broke another snatch and we couldn't realise why. We had a beer, a keg of beer on board, beer on. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But we were Re- having a good time. Responsibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In we a roundabout way. We had a sober driver. Uh, anyway, we got, up, we got it out. We got up to the beach and it wasn't until later that night we went to come off the beach up to our campsite. We'd cleaned all the fish, dug the holes, blah, 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 blah. That hook pull on the front had straightened. As we've gone to snatch and strap the boat out to take it up to camp... The boat's just slid straight off the trailer. So there's me boat at 7 o'clock at night, laid up on the beach just above the high tide mark. Tide's coming in. I'm thinking if it's in the high tide mark, I'll just push it in and drive it out to sea and stay out there for the night. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't do that. Lucky I didn't because we soon realised once the boat had come off why we couldn't move it. The bung had come out of the front. Oh, my God. And we had filled the boat. The whole cabin was full of water. We didn't even realise. All what have you been doing all day? Fishing. You didn't realise? No, we was busy. And 
And it wasn't till then where we went, oh, we've got a problem here. This is why we're so heavy. We probably had 600 kilos of water laying up the front. Probably more. So I'm there drilling holes, trying to drain the water out. Drilling holes in a boat wouldn't have been a great option, I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> I wasn't happy about it. <laughs> I was not happy about it. But we got it fixed and we, and we continued to go fishing for the week. We pulled some good fish out of there, big red throats and parrots and gold. You, what, you couldn't get it out with a bucket? It was in the it was a tight area spider. Tight area, and it was the a quickest, la- It had been a long day. It had been a long day. We were there till two in the morning. Getting really, this thing back on the trailer. Oh my we went God. up to the Orchid Beach shop, and we got old Donnie there to knock us up a bit of a D shackle welded to a bit of stainless rod, and we mounted that in the boat with the big nuts so it wouldn't break off. And then we continued to fill the hole with cork and tape and whatever we could find uh, to keep the show on the road. So. Boating up there can be a disaster. Be prepared. The last thing I want to get on here is yeah. swimming. This won't take long, but swimming at Fraser is not recommended. Stick to the really? lakes. There's too many sharks. Oh, off the beach. Off the beach. So Eli Creek, Lake Mackenzie, Birribee, all the lakes, uh, some of the western side creeks, but there are Akanjis you know, over there as well. Do you know there's a lot of lakes you can't get to on Fraser? Oh, heaps. So many you can't get to. Heaps of lakes. Lake Wobby. Did you swim in there? No, we didn't walk down there. Oh, scary. Why? Because there's thousands of catfish. Big catfish. Yeah, yeah. and you dive in and they all come to you and I think, I'm going to get eaten here. Yeah. (laughs) I quickly jumped out. I was like, I was there for about, I reckon, I I didn't even go under, I don't think. I just quickly jumped in, jumped out and said, nah, too scary for me. But Champagne Pool's up the top there. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's good for a swim. You can swim there. Obviously, I had a swim at a a gutter at uh, Indian Head. Yeah. Nice clean water. You could see what was coming and going. There's a shallow bank out the back of that. How to swim in that? That's fine. I wouldn't recommend going swimming along the eastern beaches. And here's why: one year when I went up there, we went up to Nagala Rocks. So that's north of Indian Head, Champagne Pools, and all that. And the boys wanted to do a spot of shark fishing. So I've, I've rigged up a big tuna, oh, foot, yep. foot and a half long, wide, traced it up, big hook, and they're trying to throw it off the bank. And I said, "That's not going to get you a big shark. You need to get it out." Oh, yeah, we don't know how to get it out. So I've gone, no. I've taken the shirt off, flipped this tuna over my shoulder <laughs> and proceeded to swim it out through yeah, the gutter. Chuck Norris or something. <laughs> I didn't even have a knife between my teeth. Um, anyway, I've swam this tuna out, got to the breakers, went through that way, he's hitting me in the head, I've thrown it over my shoulder. It was a fair way out. By the time I swam back in no way. and walked up and here are the boys sitting on the car and this big Tiagra 80 wide is humming. They, they've hooked up that something's eating this tuna and it was a 17-foot roughly tiger shark that we dragged up into the gutter. It had straightened the hook and it, and it got away. So we were happy with that. But we were backing the car up with the angler on the front, feet on the bull bar, and then we'd drive forward while he'd wind. And then back the car up the beach. No. And we got this big shark into the game. It was massive. It was the biggest shark. That's why I say don't swim up there. Don't swim baits out. Use a drone. Use a canoe. Whatever. Don't do what I did. This is sort of learning <laughs> learning for me. The best thing was, but it was so much fun. And, and when we finished, all the boys looked at me and I looked at them. I said, well, I've had my go. Who's <laughs> next? <laughs> yeah. No one was committed to do it. And I'll just do finish up with one last shark story up there. This is how big the sharks are. I went on a charter out there. We were camping not far from Nagala, just north of sort of Wadi Point in the bay at night. We we're fishing a lot. 
And we came in close to the beach to a lump of coffee rock just off Fraser, south of the tip. And we were fishing away, and I said to the bo- uh, skipper, give me the goggle and snorkel, I'm going down, I'll see if I can pull a cray out or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, do it, do yeah, it, he go says. Herbie, go yeah, Herbie, go Herbie. do it, yeah. I'd had enough rum cans to know that I'll be safe as houses. Absolutely. What could go wrong? <clears throat> well, something went wrong. I'm stripping off, ready to go, and then up in the distance, coming up in the water, well, we thought it was a whale coming, right? Up to the back of the corner of the boat. Yep. It wasn't a whale. It was a great white shark that had eyes bigger than dinner plates. I reckon it was four foot across the head. This thing was massive, 20 foot. The skipper said that is a 20 foot great white every day of the week. It was massive. And we were waving to people on the beach having a beer. No. So don't swim at Fraser Island. So you've been saved twice. (laughs) I should be dead. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, there you go. I mean, Fraser, it's just a magical place. Yeah, absolutely. It's, It's somewhere... I always like to go on off-peak times, obviously. Yeah, I and mean, I think um, you know one thing I love about it is you can go with your mates, yep. you can go with your missus, yep. or you can go with the whole family. That's it's right. something for everyone. And just a shout-out to Fraser. I've done it several times by myself with, with uh, the missus, with mates, and even one year I went around and I did the, uh, the bus trip. Went on the bus from Kingfisher oh, yeah. and had a look around. And sometimes if you are not confident to drive and get around Fraser, mm. go on one of the buses. They're bloody brilliant. It was, yeah. it was awesome to go and do that and see it from a different way. You had no stress. Sat at the back of the bus, no mm. stress. You just took you all to the Rolls Royce places yep. and then you're back at home at night. So and they give you a lot it. of information about the Great info. So, yeah, I'd love to be a bus driver over there. I can be good at that. Oh, yeah, and imagine your stories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Fra- that, uh, that's Herbie on Fraser. Love it. Yeah, love it. Awesome. So have a good week, everybody, and uh, we'll be back next week with some more. If you've got some stories over at Fraser, we'd love to hear them. Absolutely. Hit the- us up on all their socials, Facebook, yep. Instagram, The Anglers. That's all you have to look up. But make sure you download our next podcast. We're catching up. How's this? With a Texan who relocated to deep south New Zealand. Love to hear And we believe is one of the smartest fishermen we have ever spoken to. He's the guide to a rocket scientist, brain surgeons, and that, honestly, is not the start of a joke. That's on the next podcast. All right, over.